morning. Good morning. Hopefully everyone can see me from here. Long journey from the base to this seat. Um, I'm just going to invite uh, our participants up. So if Emma, Caitlin, Ronnie, Wendy would like to come up now and grab their seat. We're going to have uh, an interview this morning. So as people are aware, we've been going through our series on character under construction. Um, and we thought that, that this week would have been a good good week to maybe stop and pause um, and ask some of uh, our church family a wee bit um, about uh, some of the talks and uh, sermons that we've been going through. I'm going to pass this one over to you. Hopefully that will carry. And I'll take this all being well, I'll take this one. Lovely. Okay. Can't see everyone, so I'm going to move as well. Just to make things awkward. So, uh, our overview of the series, Character Under Construction, it's, it's a process of becoming more like Jesus. Uh, we heard construction is an ongoing process, never the finished article. Like anything that's built, upkeep, renovation, repair, construction is messy, it requires intent. And character, it's, it's a virtue that's car, uh, carved over time. It's not um, something that we're, we're born with. And what's our main focus or priority in life? Do we focus on the here and now, what we can get, what we can achieve? But we've been challenged to consider our higher calling in the development of our character that will last into eternity. So do we focus our um, or other people's salvation and forget about the ongoing process of being constructed and how willing are we uh, to work on firstly identifying and secondly being bringing to maturity those Christ-like characteristics in our lives. So what the way, what the way, the way that we're going to do it is I'm going to just let people know the talk that we're kind of looking at and then I'll ask a few questions to each um, of our willing guests and they'll give us a brief synopsis, and then we'll kind of go through each of the talks that we've had so far um, in our series. So the first one that we had was, was Ian. He gave us an intro into the series in terms of what drives you and the outward look. The outward can look fine, but how's the heart? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Unique partnership, God's ability, but our responsibility in Romans 12. And Christian character can only develop with the help of the Holy Spirit. Emma, I want to ask you the uh, first question. From, from the talk so far, uh, not necessarily just Ian's, he gave us an overview, but from the talk so far, has there been anything new or anything specific throughout that has really challenged you? Um, yeah, so I'm just looking at my notebook and thinking, why do I not write on my phone? Because I can never read my writing. But anyway, <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I think sometimes I go into series like this thinking, oh, this will be great self-help, like, wow, I can become a better daughter or colleague or friend or family member. And sometimes I think we look at it like, oh, this is all for my gain to be a better Christian. But I think um, every time I enter something like that or listen to a talk like that, God challenges me um, to look at it completely different and to look at it maybe based on Galatians 2.20, which is, I have been crucified with Christ, first of all, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So I think in each of the talks, I was challenged um, in loads of different ways. So 
mainly I think that um, I looked at who God was first and realized that he was all these things before we could be any of these things. So if you look at Ian's talk, for example, like we are um, his children, but first of all, he sent his son to be our father. And then you look at Stevie's talk. So he was our first friend ever, our first companion, the original savior. So before we even tried to become a good friend, we looked to his example. And then dad, like Jesus is the original comforter of loneliness before we even try and be a friend to the lonely. Um, and then Zach, um, I thought God is the original um, creator of these people. He loves them first before I even try to love them. And he created them in his image first before I even think about what they are to me. And then um, Jim as well. So Christ is the ultimate um, example of going to the deepest depths that we could that we could go and experience and he's already been that example before we can even get there so I think in all of those things I was challenged just to um, take a step back and look to him as an example I think we can sometimes come away from those talks and feel guilty and be like oh I don't match up in any way but good news is Jesus has already met all those standards before we can even try so I think that's a great relief for me was a great overview as well. Don't know if I need to do any overview of the talks now, so that's great. Uh, Wendy, has there been any specific thought Bible passage that maybe has spoke to you or that you've kind of dwelled on over over the the series that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, it's funny. The verse that just keeps coming to me um, is just love one another. Um, and I think if if we all love one another, whether it's in the church, our family, our friends, um, those outside the door. Um, and I was probably challenged more in that side of it, in that I'm not saying that I'm this great person or a great Christian. I try to be all the time. And I love these sort of topics. I, I love practical um, sort of subjects. And you can, you know, sort of, you can nod your head and you can think, yeah, I tick that box, I'm doing that right. Um, I think I'm friendly, I think I know most people here and they know me. Um, um, I think I get alongside people and all these things that I find probably easy um, and maybe others don't. And for me to realize that as well, not everyone does find everything easy. Um, but I think we can work as a team in the, in the church. We all have different gifts that God has given us. Um, but it keeps coming back to loving one another in whatever way we can. And again, I think it was Jeff saying about like, even just a nod, you know, a smile can mean so much, especially for people coming to the church. You know, people should not feel lonely in this building, you know, whether it's the first time or whether they've been here years. And I have heard people saying that they're lonely, um, and that's a shame on us, and we need to look around and see people's needs. Um, and it can be it can be bigger things, it can be visiting people, it can be having them for dinner, but just those um, wee things, like a text is so easy to do, you don't need to say, I need to do that on Wednesday night, I'm busy or whatever, but for me, my challenge was, although I'm not like brilliant and can tick all those boxes, I'm not so good when I go out the doors, I don't think, and it, you know, it, it sort of brought it back to me, even though I probably know that. Um, in work, you know, how much do I share my faith with my non-Christian friends, Yes, I can meet them for breakfast once a month in Vicarin and sit and chat about everything else, and they can say what they want, but how much do they know about me? So 
I'm very much challenged, you know, even have a person in mind, um, you know, even one person, even for a month and pray like really hard um, that you would get the opportunities um, to maybe speak to them and um, yeah, just think that although it is brilliant in church and we need to look out for one another, but for me, my challenge was um, that, yeah, um, outside these doors as well, to keep that going. Uh, I want to move on to on to Stevie's uh, keeping good company. What makes a good friend? And he gave us a, a long list of of different Bible passages to look at. But one of the main things that came out was great community isn't found, but it's forged. Um, and I want to ask you, Ronnie, um, thinking about the company that we keep, how important do you feel it is to have a strong Christian friendships? Um, perhaps I could say something before I speak. Uh, in other words, before I specifically try to answer what you have asked, uh, there was a very famous man in the 18th century called Dr. Samuel Johnson, whom you've all heard about. But he said, men do not need, and of course in those days men meant men and women, he said they do not need so much to be taught as to be reminded. And uh, especially when you reach my age, you've heard an awful lot of things and it's to be reminded of them. And I find that as I listen to the different talks and very useful talks, indeed very important talks, each of them, where uh, I benefited from them to a very great extent, and I'm very thankful for them. And uh, that, at least, is related to what you asked me about, and also I've asked others, two others, and there's one left, which I'm looking forward very much to hearing. But the talks were so real and asked very vital and raised very vital topics and Topics that are so important for all of us because they raise the basic question, what is a Christian? What are we aiming for? And that's a topic that we must never fail to come back to and back to over and over again. And I felt that we touched at least on those questions. And as far as I was concerned, they were extremely important and extremely helpful for us. To give the example of Stevens, for example, what kind of company do you keep? Now, he made it clear that he wasn't meaning to be suggesting a holy huddle. 
he wasn't meaning it in that way, but it's so vital. What kind of company do you keep in life? And because after all, that's going to make us or break us as Christians. And that stuck on my mind. It's a practical one, but it's being realistic. And there are a lot of things that could be said about that topic, to give an example. And an awful lot of other things that should not be said about that particular topic, but it's vital as to what our Christian life is going to be or going to achieve. Now, I sort of feel my wife wants to say something. She's going to say, you said enough. <laughs> but I don't think Alan would say that. <laughs> But in the present circumstances, she can't say that, but, <laughs> but I can hear her. <laughs> trying to see where she is. Got her head down. <laughs> so, uh, so, it's over to you. <laughs> I want to I uh, stay on one of the points that you said about it's not just the holy huddle, and I'll go to Caitlin. Um, can you give us an example of how such friends have helped you, but also then tell us a wee bit about the balance that we can't just have all Christian friends? Yeah, well, I think the importance of those friends is really vital, and I think it's sort of linked into, like, a lot of what Stevie said really resonated with me, and it really is about going on a journey with people, and on that journey, that's where that community is forged, and you can't just, most of the time, unless you're very fortunate, you don't just stumble across those things, and I feel like finding and forging that community has to be a really intentional thing that you are seeking that out and whether that's joining a small group or um, taking a, a big step and inviting your friends to can we meet and pray together or could we actually like read through this book of the bible together I think that's not always an easy thing to do and it feels like you have to maybe muster up a bit of courage to do that but that process is what yields the reward of forging that community and I know for me that has been so important um, as I've went through different things in life. And knowing that there's those friends who are upholding me in prayer, no matter what season of life I've been in, whether it's been rejoicing or mourning. As Stevie said, the importance of having those friends that stick by you like a brother or a sister in those seasons. Um, but thinking about the importance of not just being in a holy huddle, um, as has been said, I think it can be really easy then to just get consumed into church life or maybe if you're at uni really involved in CU and other things, it can be really easy just to be consumed into this Christian bubble where you're not actually looking outside. Um, but I think that's the thing where you have to remember, you know, you are, you are in other walks of life where you are encountering people that don't have a faith or maybe have walked away from their faith and just really asking God to use you in those circumstances. Um, and just it's really necessary not to get wrapped up in that and I think it's really easy for us also to say like oh well I wouldn't know what to say to them um, but we pray that God gives us opportunities and he does every day but it's our own 
blindedness or our own arrogance um, or our own ignorance that we choose to turn a blind eye to those situations. Um, so we pray that God gives us opportunities to speak to people about our faith and to build friendships with people. Um, but we also know that then in those situations, he's with us and he can give us the words to say. So that has just been challenging me just to continue looking for those opportunities rather than turning a blind eye. Great. Thanks. Um, I w- want to move on to Jeff. And I'm, I'm noticing our time. I want to make sure that we kind of get through everything. Um, so, Wendy, I want to think about caring for our church family and what uh, Jeff said and our responsibility to care. What motivates you to care? And practically, what does caring for others look like, intentionally walking through life with people? And there's a list here in front of me. I don't want to go into the list, but I think there's one, hopefully, that you should... Yeah, I'll let you embellish it out. Um. Um, well, what motivates me to care is, again, going back to that verse about loving one another. Um, I think part of it is in my nature as well, and personality, maybe... Um, that it's sort of there in my heart. I, I don't know. I just I sort of want to look out for for people. Um, but I am a people pleaser too, and which is good. Um, and mostly, I want to please God, and He has asked us to do it. So, yeah, that's all. That's that's what motivates me. That um, God has asked me to do it. And although I say I do find it easy, there are those that I don't find it easy with. Um, and we naturally go to people that are are easy and um, that are maybe fun or that give you something back um so you can find those circumstances where it's not but um that's that's what motivates me i'm a bit like you ronnie i know junior said don't waffle so i'm gonna try and not waffle because that's my thing but anyway um what it looks like is giving up time in whatever way you know whether it's staying for 15 minutes after church and talking to those people around you you know, even had chats this morning with people coming in and not realizing what they were going through. And there is that, how are you? And walking on path, I'm fine. And just taking, a, you know, even just asking that extra question, like, how are you really? Or whatever. And realizing what people are going through. And everyone's going through something. It might not be now. Um, say there's times that life's good and other times it's more difficult. And we need to know who's going through difficult times and be there to support them. Um, in whatever way we can, again, whether it's in the smallest, the smallest way to the 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 other things, but just keep looking to God and asking Him to direct you to the right person, you know. And there are some there's different personalities that will jail, and God might be telling you to look out for that person. Um, but yeah, our um, big thing most people know, I'm sure, because we do share probably too much, and we've always said that. I I find it difficult when I ask someone. To share and they're not telling you what's in their hearts or what's going on in their lives where Junior and I are probably both the same where we just tell everybody everything and all the details whether you want to hear it or not maybe sometimes but I would say looking around most people maybe not everyone knows that the thing in our heart at the minute is that we really feel that God has um, been telling us to foster children so for six weeks um, probably nearly two years ago now there was a six-week period where, it, although it's always been in our hearts a bit, and when the boys were growing up, we hadn't the time or probably patience or room. Um, and now that Luke's married and Benjamin's almost, um, he's getting married in June, we do have the space, we do have the definitely have the time, um, and we think now in our own minds now is the time to do it. But for six weeks in particular, um, God was really telling us very clearly um, through verses, through people 
speaking in Bethany, through songs in the radio, through conversations, which like I could talk for ages about it, but different conversations that we shouldn't have had with people randomly in the MOT Centre hut in a canteen and work um, was amazing. And God was clearly saying, yes, now is the time to foster. So long story short, you know, we have put our faith in God that he wants us to do to do this and we have went through the process and again a lot of you know and have shared with us which have been brilliant and um, when we went to panel and weren't passed and it was horrific um but yeah it was brilliant that we had so much, so much support um, but the good news is that we trusted god again and and um, we felt that we needed to appeal it and we did and we got passed which was great but we know a lot of you have shared that with us um and I'm, you know, all, all no too emotional person, but then I didn't think I would cry. I haven't even a tissue, but yes. But things like that, you know, as a church, it's brilliant that you all um, know what we're going through and are behind us. And again, even the amount that I asked coming in about our fostering, because they know that's what and we're doing. And it's tough, and we haven't had a child yet. And again, there's a reason for it. They're crying out for foster carers, and we don't know why. We have had near, with eight or nine maybe near, um, times when a child has been coming and something's happened last minute which has been good for the child you know family member or whatever's come through um anyway i know i'm waffling again but we do, we have faith in god that um we will get a child for whatever in whatever way and the right child will come along but um caring for each other is amazing and you know whether it's through grief and whether it's through happy times it's good to you know and it's easy to go to someone's house when they've had a baby or send a wee card or a present, and that's nice. But when someone's bereaved, that's harder. Um, but again, I just think, look out for others. Ask them what's going on in their life. Um, and get alongside them. And just listen to God, what he wants you to do, and who he wants you to look out for at that time. Sorry, that was so long. No, no, it's good. And I think it's good w- what you're saying in terms of listening to God through that process, because that, that's part of your Christian character being formed, is is this process of listening to God and seeing where he's directing us. And although it's not always a kind of like linear line going in a direction, it's uh, it's up and down and sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder. And I think it's good to kind of continually listen and that's the part of being forged into more and more into his likeness. Emma, very, very quickly, is there is there a specific role that you feel church community can play in this process as well? Like a specific example that that each of us in church, like, you know, how can we, how could we care better, a practical example, maybe? Um, well, I don't really have, a ex- like, a specific example that we could do, but I think that would maybe overcomplicate things sometimes, because there's a really good quote by C.S. Lewis that I've always loved and try to live by where possible, and it just says, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor, act as if you do. And when you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. And I can think of countless examples that um, that I have tried to do that. And the Lord has blessed me way more than I have ever given anyone else. So I've learned more about um, who he is and his character and how he loves by doing that. So, yeah, I would say just don't waste time thinking, do I love this person? Act as if you do. And then you will become, you will love them. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my advice. Great. Thank you. Ronnie, um, moving on to, to Zach, um, he looked at uh, compassionate living and how do we show compassion? How does God's compassion 
make you feel? And is there a specific cause that you feel burdened for? He talked specifically um, about find your Jerusalem, and it's something that's been brought up a few times. Is there a specific cause that you have that you feel burdened for? Well, as you know, uh, I have, and I am too, we have lived for the Japanese people. That has been our life, and that has still, that is still our lives. I mean, so much of our lives has been wrapped up in the great need, the spiritual need of the Japanese people. And uh, so it would be a terrible thing to get specifically wrapped up in one section of the people of the world. And so I wouldn't want to be misunderstood by that. But it helps us in our Christian lives if we feel led, and Wendy has given us an example of being led in a particular service without being blind to the huge needs of this world and forgetting about them because we are exclusively preoccupied with one particular service. But nevertheless, if God leads us to a particular people or service or something that has just asked us to do, and the Bible is full of examples, and some very strange ones when we think about it. It helps us to focus, and it helps us to truly say, as Paul said, or Saul at the beginning of his life, Lord, what would you have me to do? And just to get down before the Lord, at whatever stage in life it is, and say, Lord, what will you have me to do? And during the services so far, it has made me say to myself again, Lord, what will you have me to do? I've given some specific examples to do with Wendy and with me and no doubt with Junior. But that's the question behind everything that comes up in these services because not to know what God wants me to do or being completely vague about it all is a dangerous situation to begin. I don't know if that answers your question, because your question was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. And I think, yeah, Ian, Ian mentioned that last week, uh, I think before he went away, and even in a conversation, each of us might have a Jerusalem for a very specific thing, is what we had said. You know, he, he talks about us, and Wendy can chip in, or not Wendy, Heather, um, but he had said about Kosovo being one, but he's obviously out in India now, and he has, he has 
two different Jerusalems for two different um, parts of his life that he feels burdened for. And I think that's important to remember as well, that we might not have a very specific thing. We might, but also uh, there might be different parts of our life that we feel burdened about um, different groups of people or um, different places. I'm going to, we are running on, I'm going to move on to Jim, um, his final um, talk. So if you can uh, give me a bit of grace, please. (laughs) It's good to hear uh, what everyone has to share. Um, And we'll ask a few more questions. Um, Caitlin, I want to ask you, uh, what role do you believe prayer and faith play in how God shapes our character through hardship? Um, So Jim uh, talked about how God develops our character through hardship. He trains us to become strong. He prunes us to become fruitful. We looked at 1 John Hebrews, and he wants us to produce fruit that will last for eternity. Um, So, yeah. Do you want me to ask you again? No, it's okay. Um, got the gist. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I've spoken to so many people since um, Jim's talk and how impactful it was and how great it was to hear from him. But um, I think for me, thinking about the role that prayer and faith plays in God shaping our character through hardship, I think it is very easy. You can take the you know, the hard road that, like, if this is happening to me, you know, almost turning away from God and feeling really selfish and down in your own, just consumed by your own feelings of why am I going through this hardship? Um, But I love how um, Jim pointed us back to the life of Joseph, and that was such, um, I really enjoyed what he said about that and how the words he used was actually, it looked like God was vandalizing um, Joseph's life at many times. Like it looked like everything was finally coming together for Joseph and then his life would be wrecked again. Um, and like throughout that journey, you know, Joseph never turned his back. Like he never walked away from his faith. And also like looking at the journey that Job went through as well, you know, we have to believe God, is sh- we know that God is shaping our character in that and Jim said about that every time it looked like God was vandalizing Joseph's life, but he's the divine gardener. And I love that phrase. And we have to trust that the gardener knows what he is doing. And, um, you know, I'm not very, I don't know what the word is for someone who's good with plants. Um, I think Jim was the same, but I definitely don't know what I would be doing. But we have to trust that in those circumstances, God is teaching us things. And it said that he had designed um, he had designed challenges that teach us more about his working so that we can understand him and as, despite our circumstances. Um, yeah, so I just loved what he said about being the gardener and trusting what he is doing um, despite what's going on in our own lives and then knowing that whenever he prunes us the fruitfulness that comes from that flows from this life into the next so yeah great and Emma I just want to ask you I'm going to pull together a couple of questions um, some people I think Jim mentioned about you know viewing hardship as purely negative and I think Caitlin's touched on it a wee bit in terms of the life of Joseph um, how do you believe God can use typical circumstances to produce, uh, to prune you, to produce more fruit? And if there's any examples of that for individuals that are here, um, you know, feel free, please, to share that. And how how we can understand how God may be using that to develop each of our characters. 
Okay. Um, I think Alistair really um, really spoke to me in that, and he really summarized that well. So if you ever want to go back and learn a bit more about suffering, just go and play his wee pre-communion thing. But yeah, I think to kind of list off specific things that people are going through in here um, would be not the most productive thing to do, and we'd probably be here all week because there's things that we will never understand that happen to people, but they do. Um, but there's a verse in Hebrews 4, verse 15, and it says, um, it gives you reassurance. It says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. So we have Jesus to look to as an example. And then I just wanted to add a little note here. Um, it's another C.S. Lewis quote. You must be related to Jeff Kennedy or something. Anyway, um, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It is easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. But um, as well, just as a practical note, um, I try to think of a visual thing to help you understand what it is like to suffer and how God is actually using it without sounding like a lecture. But So this is like a little thing we do in work, but I'm trying to turn it so that um, faith becomes a priority. So if you have, I need to use my hands, so I'm going to put the mic down. So if you um, have your hands up to your face, so like this, so you can't see anything. So this represents your suffering and your hardship and all that. So your hands are like the awful things that are happening. And you have that in front of your face. And like, I literally can't see anything. I can't even tie my shoelaces, let alone see the plans that God has for me. I can't see anything. I can't see life. Everything is pretty blurred. Um, and then when you turn your hands in to prayer and praise, I can see everything a lot better. Does it remove the hardship? No. Are my hands still there? Yes. The suffering is still right in front of me, and it's pretty prominent. Um, thank you for holding this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's still there, and that's, that's Jesus' answer, too. He's not going to remove your suffering sometimes when you pray, but it's still there. But I can see everything a lot better. I can see his plan for me. I can see his purpose. Um, and sometimes that's not the most clear, but I can see things a lot easier. Um, and yeah, I think that's like a good example of how to understand a bit better suffering. Um, and then just the simple chorus that turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So glory and grace pretty much covers everything. Any reason that you may have burden or worry for, glory and grace covers it all. Great. Thanks, Emma. Um, I think everyone would agree that two questions or three is, is not enough and I'm sure each of you had a lot more to say that um, could have spoken to each of those topics but we are we are running out of time but I want to thank each of you and um, yeah if, if maybe a round of applause I think would be <laughs> think think that's appropriate each of us have um, each of you have came with different experiences and different ways that that each of the the talks have, have spoke specifically into your life and how you share that is is invaluable to, to each of us and um it's good now that we have church lunch after if people can stay that you know please come and ask hopefully you will give them the freedom to do that but come and ask you any more questions if you want to ask anything more but um really appreciate um you's coming up to share so you are released i'll let you go back and, and grab your sheets and then we'll move into our final song. We'll just take time to, to sing that now.